Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Art of Dating podcast with Ryan Agate and Kayla Greer. Pretty excited to, to have our discussion today, even though we're missing Kayla. Kayla is out of town and will be for the next couple of podcasts but, or episodes, but she's going to get on and do some editing and add some commenting of her own, as well as doing some commenting on our, on our Facebook page. I do have with me today a dating expert. Not only is she great at dating, but she's great at giving advice to young men and young women about dating, and that is my wife, Angie Eggett. Hello, everyone. And since Kayla's not here, I'll take the lead and say, what have you got for us today, Ryan? Great. Thanks. Well, that's just how Kayla starts it. Thanks, Ange. Um, so really, we were thinking of just continuing, right, going down the trail of like we would normally in our institute class. But I've been, uh, it sounds like, I was going to say I've been visited by three students. It sounds like the ghosts of Christmas past. I, I had a couple of students visit me over the last three weeks, and it's really made me, and they were all listening to the podcast. It's really made me think we need to maybe stop and go back a little bit and just make sure it's really clear this whole process of being in a relationship, of being dateable, of, of getting dates, of getting in a relationship, of building relationship. Um, because that was each of their questions was, oh, I, I have questions about either I want to be in a relationship or the relationship I'm in, I have all sorts of questions about it. And, and I'm not making it work or I want it to work and I can't get it to work. So let's go back and let me just say, I was visited, uh, I had one student come in and she was a little bit older. I mean, you know, you're older for Utah County standards, well, at least that's how she described herself. Maybe that's a good way to say it. She said, you know, I'm just, I'm about 30. And, and she said, I, I see my dating pool shrinking and I'm feeling like my opportunities to date are decreasing because, you know, now some of those who are new to the young adult scene, maybe the 18, 19, 20 year olds are no longer right? They're no longer in my dating pool. Well, that may be true, but I think I startled her a little bit when I said to her, you know, I, I've known you for 10 years. I've known you since you were that 20 year old and you are currently your most dateable you. And so let's not take away the fact that, uh, over these last 10 years, you've become the most dateable you that you've ever been. And so yes, your dating pool may have shrunk to some degree, because you're not probably not going to date some 18 year old guy, but you're now a more attractive date and a more attractive marriage partner. Let me, and so we had this great conversation. Let me just describe a little bit of it. And that'll maybe kind of walk us through what we wanted to talk about on this episode. So she and I went through the whole, uh, and I got her permission to talk about this a little bit on the, on this episode, but she and I went through the whole, let's talk about what is making you your most attractive self currently. One of those things we started off with was being emotionally attractive. And maybe, and, I, and we're going to use that term, but maybe it would be even better to say that she was emotionally prepared for dating. And what does that look like? Well, as she described it, she said, you know, I look back when I was 20 and 21 and I think I wasn't ready to date. I was struggling with some, some mental, emotional issues. I was trying to get all of that uh, in control. And, uh, and then she said, here's the nice thing. Now I have learned to deal with those things. And wow, that was just eye-opening for me. Really emotionally attractive. Uh, I think she's become really emotionally attractive because she said, it's not that I don't have things. Uh, it's not that I don't have things, but I'm learning to deal with those. And that's exactly what you want in a relationship, right? As you're looking for a marriage spouse, you want somebody who is stable 
emotionally. That doesn't mean they have to be perfect emotionally or not have any issues, but like, like my friend said, I'm learning to deal with those. And so that really made her in the area of emotional, she's really much more prepared than she ever was. She's more either emotionally attractive as a marriage partner or she's more prepared uh, emotionally. Anything to say about that, Ange? I just was thinking about how when you take care of yourself first on the airplane, then you can take care of others. It's kind of that same concept. Oh yeah, because she's going to get into a dating relationship. And you know, and if she's listening to these podcasts, she, this podcast, she's going to be saying, so I should be trying to, everything I can, my heart and my mind, right? The David O. McKay quote, I should be trying to help them live their happiest life, this other person. But until you're emotionally in a place where, where you can do that as well, maybe you're not quite prepared to be in a marriage relationship, right? And so that's great. And that's one of the things we should look at. So that's one we hadn't mentioned before, thought maybe we would just approach it a little bit right now. And, and it's good. And I know this is something that the brethren of the church and the, the sister leaders of the church are talking about, is that we need to be taking care of ourselves, uh, particularly in the mental and emotional area, and, and learning to kind of learning to deal with some of the issues that every person has something, right? As you've said before to me, Edge. Well, the, the next thing, so as I'm talking with these different, these three different students, I said, let's just talk about getting you into a relationship. And, and I'm afraid that as some of them had listened to some of the episodes that they're like, well, I've been going to the gym and I'm like, okay, and, that, and that's good. But we just want to help you become your most dateable you, right? Including being emotionally prepared and socially attractive. What does socially attractive look like? I actually asked one of these students that. Like, what do you, what do you think that looks like? And, and this student, it was another girl said, that they're fun to be with. They don't have to be the life of the party, but I like being with them, right? I like being with them. I like being around them. When we're together, it's engaging, it's enjoyable. Socially, that that's attractive to another person. And I think we've all seen this where you go, wow, there's this person who's very popular, very well liked in, in a community or in a society or in a group of friends. Everybody wants to be with them. Everybody wants to date them. But on the outset, they may not be the best looking person, but they're so socially fun and so socially enjoyable that it makes them very attractive. And, and so this whole thing of being socially engaging and socially, right? I saw there was a, there's a little article um, right now, actually in the, one of the news feeds that I was reading saying, after COVID, let's brush up our social skills. And I thought that's, that's nice that they're approaching that saying, there is something that you can do, right? There are different levels of being socially attractive. Um, okay, so how do you handle that, Angela? Let me ask you because uh, you know, I called you this week, right? When I had a boy in my office and he was saying, well, tell me about you and your wife. And I said, we're so opposite. Like, and he's like, well, how did you even get married? And I was like, man, I don't even know. Let's just call her on the phone and see. And we had this whole fun conversa conversation with you on speakerphone. But it wasn't that we're the same or that we like all the same things, but we really like being together, right? Absolutely. That there's, there's this element of, of, there's an enjoyable sociality between the two of us, or it's easy to carry on a conversation. And we talked about that in the communication episode where it was learning the social skills of caring about somebody else. That really is what makes people socially attractive. It just, if the person's all fun, 
but they don't care about you, eventually that becomes unattractive. And I think maybe, and this we haven't talked about before, but I think maybe the core to social attractiveness is really caring about other people. Because it's easy to carry on a conversation when you care about the other person and you want to know all about them. Or you see that they don't seem happy and you're pursuing finding out why, right? You're asking them questions or they are happy and you're happy for them. And so you're following up with their happiness and, and sharing in their joy. And so, so that's another element, right? As I went through it with this one student saying, okay, so you may be about 30, which is awesome. And now you're more emotionally prepared to be in a relationship. And over these years, you've learned to be more socially attractive. You care more about people. You can engage. And this was one of the things that she mentioned too. She's like, oh yeah, I'm much better at talking with people. I care about people. I'm, I'm a much better social friend, right? And I know the social skills better. Then the third thing would be spirituality, right? Uh, you know, as we said in Luke 2.52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with God and man, right? In stature and in wisdom and in favor with God. And, and I've, I've told the story a million times. I even told it on a different episode, but it's amazing how often that either is a turn on or a turn off for someone that is a potential date for you. That if they see that you are right, that you're pursuing a relationship with heavenly father and that you're keeping your covenants, that is always a turn on, right? A a turn on to you, an attractive element of you. Um, I remember a, a boy in one of our classes, he got up and said, I've been, you know, I think I told this before, but he said, I've been trying to study all of the conference talks by the prophets since 19, it was like 1975. And he just went through some of his favorite things. And he just, he took two or three minutes in front of the class, just saying, these are some of the best things I've found since 1975. And I can tell you, he had the immediate attention of every girl in that class because suddenly he was attractive spiritually to them, right? They could see, and, and maybe we could follow this up. Why would you want to have a husband that had a relationship with Heavenly Father? Let me just ask you that, Ange. Why, why would that be attractive to you? You've been in that position. Why would you go, oh, I really want a man who has a relationship with God? Well, because the everything that goes on in your home and in your relationship is going to have that element of the gospel in it and you can just see all the blessings that will come to your family to you because of it um so i can see why that is definitely something that every girl would be looking for um, and maybe it's not just like the physical attractiveness where they walk into the room and you go wow wow look at you know look at his hair or his eyes or his physique but it's something that when that comes out, that spiritual attractiveness, that you start thinking long-term attractiveness, right? Like, wow, what a father he would be, or what a mother she would be, or man, I can see us growing old together, or, you know, based on how much they love Heavenly Father and how well they keep their covenants, I know I can trust them with my heart, with my life, with my children, with, right, with, with all of that. And so I don't think we can underestimate how important it is to work on our spiritual attractiveness. And just and really, what does that look like? Work on our spirituality. What does that look like? It's really working on your covenants with Heavenly Father. I mean, you think we, it's a Sunday and you think we just partook of the sacrament today, which was so great in our ward. And you think, if you found a girl or a guy 
who always remember Jesus Christ. What does that look like? It looks like them saying to themselves, what would Jesus do in this situation? Wouldn't you love to be married to somebody that was constantly trying to do what Jesus would do? Oh, you know that you would be treated very well. And in return, you'd want to do the same. Yeah, yeah, and you think... And so that element of not only what would Jesus do, but they're willing to keep his commandments, right? And take his name on them. And you think, wow, that that becomes an element of attractiveness that does not fade. If you maintain your spirituality, like like you said to us the other day, Ange, as we were having a little conversation, everyone's looks fade, but there are elements of attractiveness that will endure. And spirituality is one of those. That as you work on your spirituality, that 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 can continue to grow regardless of how old you are, right? Look at our prophet, 90, 96 years old or so. Uh, and you think, wow, he's spiritually stronger than he's ever been. It hasn't, uh, it hasn't faded with his age. So emotionally prepared, socially engaging because you love people, spiritually attracted because you love the Lord and you're a covenant keeper. And then, of course, we would have to get to the physicality because that's often that's one way that you get into a date, right? If we talk about Sternberg's triangle, that one of those three angles, one of the three corners on that, is the chemistry, the physical chemistry. I don't. I know we spent a lot of time on this, but I don't think we can overestimate how important it is, at least initially, uh, in that very beginnings of the relationship, to say, "Hey, take as good a care as." You can of yourself, and and I love. Uh, there's a little quote by one of the brethren who's saying, you know, actually I'm just gonna actually pull it up right here. I've got it on my computer with me. That uh, he's quoting President Nelson. President Nelson says, "Our body is a temple, and we should treat it that way." And and when you think of it that way, that our bodies are temples and we should treat them that way, that that has a lot to do with the physical attractiveness of our bodies. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that, right, we have to be something that we're not. We know that that we're all given different bodies. But the temple that you're given, you take as good a care of it as you possibly can. Well, and then finally, the fifth element or the fifth area would be intellectual. And this is one that, that I think uh, is often misunderstood. So we've talked about emotional, spiritual, social, physical, and intellectual, does that mean you should just always be studying the sciences and the maths? And, and I had a student come in in this group of three that I told you about. I had a student come in and we were talking about, what does that actually look like for you? And one of the girls said, you know, for me, intellectually attractive doesn't mean that they're really great at math or their grammar is the best, although both of those are important, right? That you're trying to develop your your, your verbal skills, your reading skills, those are both very important. But she said, but whatever their chosen field of interest is, that they're succeeding in that. And I thought, wow, that's, that is really great insight. That if, that if you're going into law, that you do everything you can in law. If you're going to mechanics, you learn everything you can in that area. That I think sometimes we think of intellectualism and we think, oh, that's only book learning or that's only you know, sciences or maths, but uh, I, I really appreciated what this girl said. It's, it's whatever your field is that you're developing in that field, that you're progressing. I had another student, uh, this must have been five years ago, who said 
you know, I want somebody who's going somewhere. I want a guy who's going somewhere. And she said, it doesn't matter to me what his job is. Like, I'm not saying, okay, I want a fireman or I want a doctor or I want a, you know, I want a teacher. But whatever his job is, I want to see that he's going somewhere, that he's progressing in his field. Okay, now we've, we've brought all that in together, right? We've got this whole element of saying there is the five, right, the five areas that we can be attractive in. Emotional, spiritual, social, physical, intellectual. We've, we've developed ourselves into somebody who is pretty emotionally stable, right? We're dealing with our emotions. We've, we've learned how to do that as an adult. We're taking care of our spirits. We're taking care of our bodies. We are we care about other people, so we're engaging socially, and we're going somewhere with our lives. This is now. This is where uh, former students are going to go. Oh man, I totally know what he's going to say. If we put this into terms, and I, I'll give this whole lesson in day and courtship about hunting sharks, right? If we put this into terms of bait. So you've kind of become the bait, and some people are going to be to- totally turned off by this. But bear with me, I think it'll work for you. If you put yourself and say, okay, I- I'm trying to attract someone to me, right? I want to attract somebody that-, that wants to come and date me and that wants to marry me. And so those five elements of me become the bait. And, and now I've made my bait as good as I can. And if you know how hunting sharks works or any kind of fishing, we'll just we'll make that broad, any kind of fishing, that the better the bait, the better the bite, right? The better the bait, the more the fish are going to come to it, the more you can make the bait attractive. So we're trying to make ourselves as attractive as possible, so we'll attract the greatest number of fish and the kind of fish that we want. But here's the next step. It's not just about preparing the bait, because you've got to decide what kind of fish you're looking for. If we're hunting sharks, you've got to say, okay, am I looking for tiger sharks off the, you know, off the uh, barrier coast? Am I look, you know, am I going to be in Australia? Am I looking for nurse sharks? Do I've got to put my bait way at the bottom? Am I looking for great whites? Am I looking for? You've got to decide what kind of fish you're actually looking for, and then when you decide, okay, this is this is what I want in another individual, and this totally plays into. President Kimball's quote that we used right at the very start, where he says, you've got to plan, right? You've got to plan and think, what is it that you want, not only in yourself, but in a spouse and in a family and in a future? So if you're looking for a particular kind of fish, you've got to go where those fish are. And this is where I had a student come in about two years ago. And this is where I said, so so what are you looking for? And she described to me just this guy, you know, the kind of guy that she was looking for. And I knew this girl very well. She'd been a student for a couple of years and was in a class that met every day. And I said, you know, you're not hanging around with that type of guy. I never see you with the type of guy that you're talking about. And she's like, I know. And I said, maybe that's a part of why you're not dating. I had another girl who came to me and says, I want a guy who is super intellectual. I said, then here's what you do. You go to the library. You wait and you see where a big group of people are studying, right? Where they're all together and they're studying and maybe even go to some library where you go, this is where all the intellectuals hang out. You go to that place and you sit yourself down in front of a group of those kind of people and you make friends. And, and maybe you won't date anybody that's on that table, but you'll make friends and eventually that'll lead to more friends and larger friend groups. And you'll find somebody who has those qualities. If you're going to come into me and say, 
I want to date a musician, then you need to get your bait into choir, right? Or you need to get your bait into the music circles. So as you find out what type of person you want to date, you've got to put your bait in the right place. And any recommendations for that, Ange? What does that look like for a, a young single? So what if we said to our girls, we have three girls that are married, right? And they all married great guys. What, did, what, did, what would we say to them? We want your bait where? We want you to be out where? Well, obviously in good places to find the kind of guy they were looking for. I, I, you know how many times I heard you say as a mom, you know, I don't think I like you hanging out with this group of people. Because eventually that's who they were going to date, right? And you think that was one of the reasons why we wanted them to pursue an education and to get in and to get a job and to, to hang out. I love that about singles wards because when you go to a singles ward, you're going to find people who are interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's why they're at church usually, right? They may also be at church to find a spouse. But you're going to find people who are saying, I've come to a singles ward to find a spouse instead of a bar, right? Because, you know, instead of going clubbing, I'm trying to find a spouse in my singles ward because that's what I want, right? And so so we're going to follow this little process here for the next couple minutes. You work on your bait, and that you can work on every single day. And then you figure out, where are the type of fish that I want? I could find them at a singles ward. I can find them at a, you know, whatever you're looking for. If you want an intellectual, I can find them at the library. If you want a musician, I can find them in the music circles. You've got to get your bait into the right pond. And then as, as Tanner said on this, I think he was on episode six, it won't do you any good if your bait stays in the boat. You've got to get your bait out of the boat. And you've heard Kayla and I talk about this. You've heard Kayla and me talk about the whole idea of chumming the waters. And, and I'm terrified of sharks, and that's probably why I always use shark, shark analogies. I think that's the worst way to die is being eaten by a shark. But what they would do, if you know about hunting sharks, is you get, you get the chum, it's called, right? It's a mix of, of blood and, and fish guts and things like that. And they throw it into the water. And that's called chumming the water, right? You take the chum and you put it out into the water. Well, even if there are sharks circling your boat, if you don't get the chum out into the water, it doesn't matter how good the chum is. And this is something that I am saying to young adults all of the time, is you've got to get out. So in other words, you're saying there, there's some effort involved. Yeah. yeah, and a big part of the effort is you've got to get out into the right circle, right? So work on the chum and then figure out what am I looking for? And then you get into that circle. It's really interesting. I had a, a bishop say to me, uh, I did a little talk for a ward some time back and I had, uh, it was actually one of the counselors said, oh, we, we, we were encouraging the girls in our ward to come to all the service projects we had and then to watch the different boys at the different service projects and they would figure out by watching the boys what type of guy they wanted to marry. Does that, does that make sense, that whole little idea? Totally. That you go to the service project and you see the guy who's totally engaged. First of all, he showed up at the service project and he's totally engaged and he's serving and he's happy to do it. That's the kind of guy you're going to want to marry, right? Because he's, he's showing what his chum is. He's showing what he has developed in himself that's attractive. So I would say to the girls, make sure you're doing that same thing. Exactly, exactly. And as you develop the chum, 
as you develop yourself, right? Uh, and you make yourself as attractive as possible. And I'm sure there are some who are like, oh man, I hate this fish, fishing analogy, but it works so well for me personally that you go, I'm making myself attractive. I'm getting myself into the right places. And then I'm getting myself out of the boat, right? I'm getting myself out of the boat. And that really does take some effort. Like you said, Ange, it takes, it takes really being willing to say, I'm going to go to all the activities that my word does. And be it, patient too. Yes. Oh yeah. It totally takes, a, uh, boy, isn't that a great fishing analogy? If you throw your, your bait into the water and you don't get a bite in the first 30 you seconds reel it back and in. you reel it back in and, and uh, drive away, right? You're never going to catch something. It often is sitting out there all day, you know, going back to our, our friend who's almost 30 who's saying, I'm now the best beta I've ever been. And now it's going to take her saying, I'm going to get out and I've, I'm having some patience. And I, you know, and she's such a great example of all of this. It's been fun to watch her. But I think we've both seen, and you and I, you know, we could probably share a million stories of this of students over the years, but they'll have been in a relationship when they were 21 and it didn't work well. And so they just get out of the dating game altogether. And now they're you know, now they're well into their 30s and not married because they said, oh, I tried it and it didn't work. Sometimes you get a bite. Oh man, this, this happened to me all the time when I was a young scout. We would be fishing and you'd put your, you'd put your cheese or your worm on the hook and you'd throw it out and a fish would come by and you'd feel tugging on your pole and you were so excited and you'd, you know, you'd jerk it and you'd start reeling it in. And by the time you got it in, it was just an empty hook and it would have been very tempting to go. I'm never, I'm never fishing again because I was so excited. I knew I had a fish. This was the one. It was the big one. I mean, we've seen that. Yeah, both of us are both smiling. We've seen that with a lot of kids, haven't we? That have come through our house and through our classes and that have said, well, I got hurt this one time, so I'm not going to fish again. And, and I think it's even more hurtful when they really were close to landing the fish. Do you know what I mean? It was like I was for sure, I was certain we were going to get married, and then we broke up, or he broke up with me, or she broke up with me, and now I never want to do it again. That is disappointing, but you also have to say, "But I got a bite." Yes, and isn't that isn't that a good way to think of it? That hey, at least at least I know my chum is working. At least I know my bait is good, right? And, and so I got a bite, and I didn't land it. And and there will of course be some, you know, you may have to rebait the hook and cry a few tears sitting on the shore. I mean, that's, that's very common and that's absolutely understandable. But if you never get your bait out just because it was snatched away and you didn't land a fish, that'd be terrible, right? So, so there's a, a big encouragement from both of us is go to everything you possibly can. I remember hearing Matt Holland say, man, he was, you know, he was approaching 30 and, and uh, not married. And he said, I decided I was going to try to at least eat one meal every day with, with the girl. I was going to invite a girl out to lunch or dinner every day. And he, he said, I, I tried my hardest to do that. And eventually he, uh, you know, he ended up with Paige, which, wow, what a great elder, elder Matt Holland and Paige, what a great couple those two are. Absolutely. So, okay, so you got to get out there. Let's just, let's just talk about one other thing. So I've got my bait out, right? I've been working on it. I found just the right kind of crowd. You know, I'm, I'm going to all these activities and, Getting out there, I'm, I'm in the right online crowds as well, you know, because there, there's all these online possibilities today that there haven't been. I, I'm in the right crowd. Now here's the issue. Um, how do I let people know that I'm even here? How do I let people know that I'm available? We, one day in our dating courtship class, um, 
this this girl complained and said, I, she said, guys just don't ask out. And then a boy piped up, oh, that's not true. And then there was this whole uh, sharks and jets, girls versus boys fight in the class. And like, we're trying to ask out, you're just telling us no. And, and I said, okay, here's the solution to that. And I have stuck by this for like the last five years. Because it is really true. It's hard for a boy to come to a girl and say, will you let me take you out to a free dinner and activity so you can get to know me and see if you'd be interested in me? And if the girl says no, that that can be very crushing to a guy. And, and I know lots of guys who go, I asked two different girls out. They said no, and I will never ask another girl out. I've pulled my bait in, and I'm going to enjoy the bachelor life driving around in my boat, right? And And I've said to the girls, okay, let me help you know. Let me help you let the boys know that you're ready to, to have them ask you out. Because sometimes they're like, only the guys I don't want to ask me out, ask me out. How come the guys that I do want to ask me out never do? And I said, well, because as a guy, it's terrifying to ask out and have that possibility of being rejected. So I said, here's the key. You just say this one little statement. We should do something sometime. And all of you who know me well are like, oh, I've heard him say, teach this a million times. If a girl comes and, and you're hanging out in a group and a girl says, we should do something sometime. That, what does that say to the boy she's right away? She's throwing a line right there. Yeah. And she's told the boy what? I, I would like to do something. If you want to ask me out, I'm going out with you. Right? But it hasn't said, but she hasn't, right? She hasn't said, oh, please ask me out. Or why don't you ask me out sometime? Which can be so self I don't know, self-deflating, right? She has said, we should do something sometime. In other words, if you want to ask me out, I will go out with you. And then, <coughs> excuse me, and then it's now in his court, right? If he wants to. On the other hand, I've told these same girls, don't just pick one shark. You know, sometimes this happens. We have a little pond up by the cabin where we're staying and you'll see the big fish come swing by and that's the only one you go for. You keep putting your bait right in front of that big fish and, and he doesn't get it. And you're like, he can see my bait, but he's not taking it. And then you just end up stopping fishing. And sometimes, and so this is what I have encouraged young men and young women to do. Not just look at just the one and say, this is all I'm going to focus on until you're actually dating them. But I could see a girl, you know, not all in front of the same guys, you know, she wouldn't want to go up to four guys standing together and say, we should do something sometime. We should do something sometime. And you, we should do something. But maybe individually, it wouldn't hurt to have a couple of guys out there that she has said, we, we should do something sometime. And then in a different situation, she could say the same thing to a different guy. Because you may throw your bait in, and there's a fish that you think, oh, that's the only one. And there's another fish that comes by and grabs your bait. And so it's better to have been hanging out with a variety of people, at least when you're first dating. Hang out with a variety until someone maybe shows some interest and then you can just pursue that one. And I think this is true for guys, not just for girls. What if a guy said to a girl, we should do something sometime? Well, if she's not interested, what, what does she do? Well, probably nothing. Probably nothing. And that is a signal to the guy, okay. And I've seen this happen, and I've said to some boys, you should, you should use this line. Uh, we should do something sometime. And often they'll say, oh, I'm already in a relationship. Or, you know, there's somebody that I like that I'm pursuing. Or I'm just too busy to date right now. Or I'm not interested in dating. Or I'm not interested in dating you. Sometimes they're that 
blunt, you know, and just said, I just, you know, I don't see our two personalities working out, something kind like that. But, but for boys, if they say to a girl, we should do something sometime, and the girl says, I would love that. Well, there's your signal right there that you can now, now she has said, I would love that. We should totally, or something like that. Then you go, Hey, what about Friday? Because she's just given you the signal. Hey, you don't have to be terrified. If you ask me, I'm going to go. Right? So let's go back and just follow this whole trail to wrap this up. Let's start with this quote by President Hinckley from 1998 April General Conference. The time will come when you will fall in love. It will occupy all of your thoughts and be the stuff of which your dreams are made. I love that statement. But sometimes we take a statement like that and we think, oh, well, it'll just happen. Like tripping happens without you meaning it to happen, right? And that's the hard thing about when when we think of falling in the English language. It's like, oh, it just happens to you. But we know from, from more statements from the brethren that it's not just something that happens to you, that there's going to take some deliberate effort for you to get into a loving marital relationship. Like President, President Hinckley, 1982, uh, he says, The love of which the Lord speaks is not only physical attraction, but also faith, confidence, understanding, partnership. It is devotion, companionship, parenthood, common ideals and standards. It is cleanliness of life and sacrifice and standards, unselfishness. This kind of love never tires nor wanes. It lives on through sickness and sorrow, through prosperity and privation, through accomplishment and disappointment, through time and eternity. So you put those two statements together. Yes, there's this great element that we can't even describe how it happens, falling in love. It's just like magic. But at the same time, you've got President Kimball saying, it is like magic, but it takes effort for that to happen. And for the magic to continue, you have to continue that effort. So it starts with becoming the best bait within reason, right? I would hate someone to listen to an episode and think, oh, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drive myself crazy or make my life miserable by just trying to become the perfect person. Just become as good as you can. Just continue to work on yourself, right? Become the best you you can be, the most attractive you in those five areas that we've talked about. Then you need to make a plan and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Where can I find a guy like that? Where can I find a girl like that? And then hang out in those circles. They could be online. They could be at the library. They could be in the choir. They could be at sporting events, depending on what you're looking for, right? And then once you're in that element, you've got to get proximate, right? Proximity. There's that word again. You got to get out of the boat. You got to go to the activities. You got to be willing to speak up and make friends and talk to the people that you're around. And then make sure that you let those the person or the people know that you're interested by just using a statement as easy as, and you can come up with your own, but a statement as, as easy as, we should do something sometime. And start casting your line out there. And, and something that came up that I haven't really been taught before is, you know, if, if at first you get a bite and maybe you'll lose the fish or you, you were so excited and you were sure this was the one and then it got away, I know it's really tempting to say, I'm never fishing again, but that will only bring you no fish. You'll end up sitting in your boat the rest of your life, right? You, you can cry on the shore. You can cry over your bait a little bit. You can cry over the lost, you know, the loss for sure. 
but eventually we've got to get back out, right? You've got to put that back out there. Trust in yourself, trust in the process, trust in Heavenly Father. Put yourself back out there, get the bait back out there, and you know, continue to be your very best self and continue to get out and, and have a little patience because fishing, you know, it, it, nothing drives you more crazy than when you're sitting there and one person casts their line and in 10 seconds they get a bite, especially if they're 19 years old, right? And you're 28 and you're casting all day long and your bait is so awesome, but for some reason it's not being snatched up. Nothing makes you want to quit fishing more than that, but it takes patience for the right fish and the right bait to, to get together, right? Anything you want to say about that, Ange, or to wrap it up? No, just happy fishing. Happy fishing. <laughs> and some people are going to be so turned off by this whole analogy, but I love it. It works for me. Um, it works for me because it makes me say, okay, just work on being the best me I can be and then get myself out there and have a little patience and the right person, right? The person who's interested in what I have to offer is going to come along. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We hope that helped. Thanks, Ange, especially for uh, joining in today. And Kayla's going to add a few things, and we look forward to seeing her back at the end of summer. Bye-bye. Bye. Along with Ryan, I'd also like to thank everyone for listening to episode 12 of the Art of Dating podcast. Um, like Ryan said at the beginning of the episode, I will be out of town for the rest of the summer. But no fret, I'll be back to Provo at the end of the, at the, end of the summer uh, to resume all of our recordings together. But until then, I'm going to be adding my own commentary at the end and maybe the beginning of each of the episodes. So something I wanted to talk about briefly that I really liked from this episode, um, I love talking about chumming the waters because when I first got back from my mission, I took this class like you folks know, and... I met with Ryan, uh, just like a lot of other students, and just introduced myself, kind of talked about my situation. And for a good chunk of my life, I've just been really busy, um, constantly either, like I swam growing up, so I was constantly swimming or working or studying and then sleeping and then repeating. And that was just my whole life. And then I went on a mission uh, and then I came home from my mission and I was working three jobs. And then I left for the summer and worked a full-time job. And then finally, when I took his class, it was like the first time in my life that I'd ever had time to breathe. And I was like, Brother Eggett, Ryan, like I, I don't know how to date. <laughs> Help me, please. And he and I talked about chumming the waters. And so this, I feel like, is such a big part of dating that we don't quite understand. Like a lot of students, um, a lot of the times we're like, we just want this person. Like I want, I want this. This is what I'm looking for in a, in a significant other and a spouse, but I'm just not finding them. And it took brother, or it took Ryan saying, Kayla, if you want this in a person, throw your bait in this direction. And I'm like, Oh, okay, let's do that. So something, I'm going to tie in a couple top, like couple ideas that we've talked about throughout the whole podcast. Um, we talk about in episode three, creating a target and the center of your target being your non-negotiables, the outer circle or the next ring of circles being things that you want in somebody. And then that outer circle to be the icing on top of the cake. And I feel like chumming the waters goes hand in hand with knowing what your target is, because in order to chum the waters, you need to understand those non-negotiables. What is it that you really are looking for in somebody that will allow you to chum the right people. 
So take some time. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to episode three. Or if you have listened to episode three, make sure that you've done that target because that's going to make chumming the water so much more effective. Like take time to write down, okay, this is, this is something that I need in somebody and this is non-negotiable. I cannot live eternity without somebody with this. So go through, make a target and then that will help you chum in the right direction. And then after you've created your target, go to every activity. That's something that Ryan and Angie hit on so much in this episode is go to every activity. And it doesn't have to be a church function. Go to school functions, go to institute functions, go to some of your friends that are throwing like big parties, go to those things and interact with people, be social and go out of your way to meet and talk to new people. As much as that sometimes is daunting, take it and just like if you're introverted, do something that you wouldn't normally do because sometimes you might surprise yourself. Just get your foot out the door and God will put a lot of people in your path or make really good friends with an extroverted person and then just spend a lot of time doing what they do. Um, I have a really good friend of mine. She is pretty introverted and she goes, Kayla, the reason I'm friends with you is because I know that you're going to take me to all these parties and all these things. And I know I'm going to get my social interaction in when I hang out with you. And so if you're introverted, go and attach yourself to somebody who's extroverted and just do everything with them. Um, And that's going to be a really good way to get your foot out the door. And when you do go to those activities, like talk to people and something that I love doing, and this also ties in another topic that we've talked about is learning how to communicate with others and being compatible. Um, When you do go to these events, talk to people about uh, in like in your conversation, learn about them, not just like, what are you studying? And what, do you, what sports do you like? If you really want to get to know people, have a good conversation, be really interested in, in their family and how they grew up. And if some of your non-negotiables are that they're really strong in the gospel, talk to people about their relationship with Christ, talk to people about their relationship with God and, if one of your non-negotiables is you're just really driven and you have a lot of goals in life, talk to people about your goals because then you're going to see where they fit on your list of non-negotiables. And that, in my opinion, is going to help you chum the water so much because not only are you putting bait out in the water, but you're going to actually put like really good bait that's going to attract the right people. And, um, that's something that really helped me when I met with Ryan that first time. Just like, wow, I needed to be, I need, I was casting, I wasn't throwing, I, are you kidding me? Like I wasn't even putting bait in the water. My bait was in the boat and I was like, Ryan, nothing's biting. He's like, girl, put the bait in the water and see where it goes. And I'm like, oh, that's probably a really good idea. So create your target. And once you've created your target and you've looked at what your non-negotiables are, what you want in somebody and the icing on the cake then cast it and it's going to be so much more effective. Um, I promise you on that one. Um, And then also just something at the end that Ryan had talked about was um, if you've been in a relationship that just turned sour and it left a bad taste in your mouth, I just plead with you from personal experience that as much as it stinks and it hurts to end a relationship and try to navigate dating again, take time to heal. But once you've healed, don't let that scar 
completely blind you from continuing your dating experience. Because I think that if we harden our, our minds and our hearts to dating, then we miss opportunities because we miss, we could, we could possibly miss somebody who we could be compatible with. And we've missed an incredible opportunity because our eyes were closed and shut to experimenting again with dating. So I just plead with you, don't miss incredible opportunities that you could possibly have because of a couple relationships that went sour. Like God loves you and really wants you to succeed and has a plan for you. And all of those relationships leading up to, you know, your, your future spouse is going to be all for your growth and is going to help you become the person that he needs you to be for eternity with somebody. Um, so those are a couple of thoughts that I had after listening to the episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We are incredibly grateful, so incredibly grateful for all of you and all your support. Feel free to shout us out on Instagram, share this with all your friends, and tune in again next Tuesday, same time, same place, for another episode of the Art of Dating podcast. Thank you again. Have a wonderful week. Bye.